Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Good morning, sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. I wouldn't say, like, you'll never know how much I love you, because I think you do. Okay, now that you're thoroughly embarrassed, your friends are probably going to hear that. Let's read a chapter. (laughs) A series of unfortunate events, book the seventh, The Vile Village. I'm sorry, I love you. Listen, I get to sing a song to you on your podcast every once in a while. Chapter five. Until dawn comes, we cannot speak. No words can come from this sad beak. A couplet. Now we know how to say it. <laughs> Excuse me, I just burpity burpeedied. My head is spinning again, Violet said, holding the scrap of paper so Klaus and Sunny could see what was written on it. And my legs are all wobbly and my body's buzzing, like I've been struck by lightning. How in the world did Isadora get another poem here? We made sure that one of us was watching the tree at every moment. Maybe it was here yesterday, but Hector didn't see it, Klaus said. Violet looked over her head. A white scrap of paper is very easy to see next to all of these black feathers. It must have arrived here sometime in the night. But how? How did it get here? How it got here is the least of our questions, Klaus said. Where are the quagmires? That is the question that I want answered. But why why didn't Isidore just tell us, Violet said, reading the couplet and frowning, instead of leaving us mysterious poems on the ground where anyone could find them? Well, maybe that's why, Klaus said slowly. Anyone could find them here on the ground. If Isidora simply wrote it out and wrote where they were, and Count Olaf was found on a scrap of paper, found the, and Count Olaf found the scrap of paper, he'd move them, or worse. I'm not that experienced with reading poetry, but I bet Isidora is telling us where she is and where her brother are. It must be hidden somewhere in this poem. It'll be difficult to find, Violet said, rereading the couplet. There are so many confusing things about this poem. Why does she say beak, Isidora? has a nose and a mouth not a beak crass sunny said which meant she probably means the beak of a vfd crow oh you might be right violet agreed but why does she say that no words can come from it of course no words can come from a beak birds don't talk actually some birds do talk klaus said actually crows do talk you can teach them how to talk did you know that i read in an ornithological encyclopedia that discussed the parrot and mina bird which can imitate human speech but there aren't any parrots or mina birds around here violet said there's only crows and crows certainly certainly can't speak and speaking of speaking klaus said why does that poem say until dawn comes up we cannot speak okay wait fyi crows can speak bad information if there's any information about animals i know if they're right or wrong because i am obsessed with animals okay, okay, okay. sorry okay back to the story back to the story well both of these poems arrived in the morning, Violet said. Maybe Isadora means that she can only send us poems in the morning. None of this makes sense, Klaus said. Maybe Hector can help us figure out what's going on. Lapper, Sunny said in agreement, and the children went to wake up the handyman who was still sleeping on the front porch. Violet touched his shoulder and he yawned and sat up. Oh, and yawned and sat up. Oh. 
As he, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, that does not make sense. As he yawned, he sat up so the children could see that his face had lines on it from sleeping on the picnic table. Good morning, Baudelaire's, he said, stretching out his arms and giving them a, a sleepy smile. At least, I hope it's a good morning. Did you find any signs of the quagmires? It's more like a strange morning, Violet replied. We found a sign of them all right. Take a look. Violet handed Hector a second poem, and it read. he read it and frowned. Curiouser and curiouser. Hey, that's from Alice in Wonderland. He said, quoting one of the Baudelaire's favorite books. This is really turning into a puzzle. But a puzzle is just something for you to do for amusement, Klaus said. Duncan and Isidore are in a grave in grave danger, and we can't, we don't if we don't figure out what these poems are trying to tell us, Count Olaf will. Don't even say it, Violet said with a shiver. We absolutely must solve this puzzle, and that is that. Hector stood up to stretch and looked on the flat of the horizon surrounding his home. Judging by the angle of the sun, <clears throat> he said, it is just about time to leave. We don't even have time for breakfast. Leave? Violet asked. Of course, he sa- Hector, Hector said. Are you forgetting how many chores we have ahead of us today? He reached into the pocket of his overalls and pulled out a list. We begin downtown, of course, so the crows don't get in our way. <sighs> we have to trim Miss Morrow's hedges and wash Lesko's windows and polish the doorknobs at the Ver- Verhugan family mansion. Wait, why aren't they going to school? Because there isn't a school. But they're children. I'm just saying. I'm just asking. Plus, we have to sweep all the feathers from the street and take out everyone's garbage and recyclables. But the quagmire's kidnapping is such, so much more important than those things, Violet said. Hector sighed. I agree with you, he said. But I'm not going to argue with the Council of the Elders. They make me too skittish. And why does nobody want to argue in this? Ugh. I'll be happy to explain the situation to them, Klaus said. No, Hector said. It will be best to do our chores as usual. Go wash your faces, Baudelaire's, and then we'll go. The Baudelaire's looked at one another in dismay, wishing that they had that the handyman wasn't so quite afraid of the group of old people wearing crow-shaped hats. But without further discussion, they walked back to the house, washed their faces, and followed Hector across the flat landscape until they reached the outskirts of the town, and then threw up the town district where the VFD crows were roosting until they reached the downtown house of Miss Morrow, who was waiting in her pink bathrobe on her front porch. Thank you. Without a word, she handed Hector a pair of hedge clippers, which are nothing more than large scissors designed to cut branches and leaves rather than paper, and he gave each bodeler a large plastic bag to gather up the leaves. Oh, branches. Boopity boop, I just lost my spot. Oh, Hector would snip off hedges, hedge clippers, and hedger, oh, Hector would snip off hedge clippers and plastic bags with not appropriate methods of greet, of greeting someone, of course, particularly first in the morning. But the three siblings were so busy thinking about what people would mean that they scarcely noticed. Is my phone going off? What is that? Oh, as they gathered up the hedge trimmings, they floated, they floated several theories. The phrase floated theory, several theories means talked quietly about two couplets by Isadora and Quagmire until the hedges looked nice and neat. And it was time to walk down the block where Mr. Lesko lived. Mr. Lesko, from whom the Baudelaire's recognized as a 
man in plaid pants, who was worried that the children might have to live with him, was even ruder than Miss Morrow. He merely pointed to a pile of windows, clean, window cleaning supplies and stomped back into the house. But once again, the Baudelaire's were concentrating on solving the mystery of the two messages that they had been left and scarcely noticed Mr. Lesko's rudeness. Violet and Klaus each began scrubbing the dirt off the window with a damp rag while Sunny stood with a bucket of soapy water and Hector climbed to clean the windows on the second floor. But all the children thought was each line of Isidore's confusing poem until they were finished with the windows and were ready to go to work on the rest of their chores for the day, which I will not describe for you. Not only because they were so boring that I would fall asleep while writing them down on paper, but because the boat of the orphans scarcely noticed them. The children thought about the couplets while polish while they polished the Verhugen, Verhugen, what a weird name, Verhugen doorknobs, and that they thought about them and swept the feathers from the street into the dustpan while Sunny, that Sunny held while crawling in front of her siblings. But they still could not imagine how Isadora managed to leave a poem underneath the Nevermore tree. They thought about the couplet every day as they carried the garbage and recyclables from the VFD downtown residence, and they thought about it as they ate lunch of cabbage sandwiches Oy, that one of the VFD restaurant owners had agreed to provide as his part of the village attempt to raise the children. But they still could not figure out what Isadora was trying to tell them. They thought of the couplets when Hector reached out on the list of the afternoon chores, which included such tedious duties as making citizens' beds. What? They have to make the old people's beds? Okay, just keep Washing the townspeople's dishes. Oh, this is just ridiculous. Preparing enough hot fudge sundaes for the entire council of elders to enjoy as an afternoon snack and polishing the foul fountain. But no matter how hard they thought, the Baudelaire's got no closer to solving the couplets' mysteries. I'm very impressed with how hard you three children are working, Hector said, as he and the children began their last afternoon chore. Foul Fountain was made in the shape of an enormous crow, and it stood in the middle of the uptown district in a courtyard with many different streets leading up to it. The children were scrubbing at the crow's metal body, which was covered in carvings and feather shapes to make it look more realistic. Hector was standing on a ladder, scrubbing the crow's metal head, which was facing straight up and spitting a steady stream of water out of the hole fashioned to look like its mouth, and as if the enor enormous bird was gargling and spitting water all over the all over its body. The effect was so hideous, but the VFD crows must have thought differently because the fountain was covered in feathers that they had left behind during their uptown morning roost. When the council of elders told me that the village was serving as your guardian. Hector continued, I was afraid that three small children wouldn't be able to do all of these chores without complaining. We were used to strenuous exercise, Violet replied. When we lived in Paltryville, we barked, we debarked trees and sawed them into boards, and at Proofrock Preparatory School, we had to run hundreds of laps every night. Besides, Klaus said, we're too busy thinking about the couplets that we've scarcely even noticed our work. That's, that, I thought that's what you, why you were so quiet, Hector said. How did the poems go again? The Baudelaire's had to look at the two scraps of paper so many times over the course of the day that they could both recite both poems from memory. For sapphires we are held in here, only you can end our fear, Violet said. Until dawn comes, we cannot speak. No words can come from this sad beak, Klaus said. Dolch, Sunny added, which meant something like, and we still haven't figured out what they really mean. 
They are tricky, all right, Hector said. In fact, I... Here is where his voice trailed off and the children were start were children were startled to see what the handyman see the handyman turn around so he was no longer facing them and began to scrub the left eye of the metal crow as if he had flicked a switch that stopped him from talking. Foul fountain doesn't look like doesn't look completely clean, said a stern voice from behind the children. Oh, because somebody was coming, so we like turned around and stopped talking, huh? Mm-hmm. Said a stern voice from behind the children, and the Baudelaire's turned around to see Three women from the Council of the Elders who had entered the courtyard and now stood frowning at them. Hector was so skittish that he didn't even look up to answer. But the children were not nearly as intimidated. A word here which means made skittish by three older women wearing crow-shaped hats. We're not completely finished cleaning it, Violet explained politely. I do hope you enjoyed your hot fudge sundaes that we prepared for you earlier. They were okay, one of them said with a shrug and bobbed her crow hat slightly. Mine had too many nuts. Another one said, wait, don't they make their own Sundays? Like, don't they put everything together? Oh. A mine had too many nuts. Blech. Another one of them said, rule number 961 clearly states that the Council of Elders Hot Fudge Sunday cannot have more than 15 pieces of nuts each. And mine had more than that. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that, you whiners. He's probably thinking. Klaus said, not adding that anyone who is so picky about hot fudge should make, make it themselves. We've stacked up a... We've stacked up the dirty ice cream dishes in the snack hut, the third one said. Tomorrow afternoon, you'll wash them as part of your uptown chores. But we came to tell Hector something. The children looked up at the top of the ladder, thinking that Hector would have to run around and speak to them, no matter how skittish he was. But he merely gave them a cough and continued to scrub a foul fountain. Uh, scrub a foul fountain. Violet remembered that what her father had taught her to say when he was unable to... to when he was unable to come to the phone and she spoke up. I'm sorry, he said. Hector's occupied at the moment. May I give him a message? The elders looked at one of the at one another and nodded, which made it look like their hats were pecking at one another. I suppose so, one of one of them said. If we can trust a little girl like you to deliver it to deliver it. The message was very important. The second one said, and once again I find it necessary to use the expression bolt from the blue. You would think that after the mysterious appearance of not one but two poems by Isidore Quagmire at the base of Nevermore Tree, that no more bolts from the blue would appear in the village of VFD. A bolt of lightning, after all, really comes down from a clear blue sky and strikes the exact same place more than once. But for the Baudelaire orphans, life seemed a little bit, seemed a little else than, seemed a little bit else then bolt that doesn't make sense to me okay a lot of these sentences are just too smart for my brain doesn't seem to be little else than bolt after unfortunate bolt from the blue ever since mr poe had delivered the first bolt from the blue and telling them that their parents had been killed and no matter how many bolts from the blue they experienced their heads never spun any less and their legs never got any less wobbly and their bodies never buzzed any less with astonishment when another bolt arrived from the blue so when the Baudelaire's heard that the elders heard the elders' message, they had to sit down in foul mountain, no foul fountain, because the message was such an utter surprise. It was a message that they thought that they might never hear, and it was a message that only reaches me in my most pleasant dreams, which are few and far between. The message said this said the third member of the council elders, and she leaned in her head very close to the children so that they could they see 
felt feathers in her crow hat. Count Olaf has been captured, she said, and the Baudelaire's felt as if a bolt of lightning had struck them once more. Is that true? Did he really get captured or is it a trick? You're so good at not giving away the, the, oh my God, she's good. You're mature. My goodness, child, 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 child.